Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are a good father. I'm sure there, there's some folks here who don't know you as that. One, they may not know you as, as father, and that you desire a personal relationship with us. And then there's some that don't know you as good uh, because of things that we may be dealing with in life. I've talked to many folks who want to uh, argue with you, sometimes curse you. And if we're all honest, we, we may all have felt that way at some point. However, you are much bigger than us and this world. And you are perfect in all of your ways. And there are no accidents in Christianity. So we have faith that everything that's going on or down in our lives has this ultimate purpose that we might not even see this side of eternity. And that is okay, because that's your plan. I pray that you would give uh, these your people, just these folks in this house, in this building, uh, a new vision uh, that sees differently. And it is different from how the world sees. It's different in that they're there are no accidents in Christianity. It's different that you call us to go. It's different in that this is not the main act. This life, there is an eternal life. That's different from the world. But it is your word. It's what we see in it. I pray we would know it. I pray we would believe it. I pray that we would live it. By the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. If you all can have a seat. If you have your Bibles, you could turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians, it's a short letter towards the back of the Bible uh, as our children's ministry takes off. If you do not have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. Uh, you can uh, get one table in the back. Uh, I love to say this, and I always love to see nobody getting up and getting one. It's okay uh, to stand up. I always say, you know, I have this... Uh, I have this some folk, my wife knows this, Chris knows this, you know, one of my pet peeves is like, you know, just kind of church is like rote and like, you know, we got to do this because this is, like I grew up in church, this is kind of how church is. Church needs to be about freedom, it needs to be about confession, it needs to be about uh, fellowship and vitality and, you know, that's what I want. So if you need to go get up a, a Bible, please do. Not everybody wants. Anyway, because that's, you all have your Bible, I know. Anyway, if you have a Bible... Colossians 2, if you don't, we will give you a Bible. Something else, a, a pastor, I don't know him, but I, I like him a lot. His name's Mark Endeavor. He pastors uh, Capitol Hill Baptist Church, which is on Capitol Hill. I uh, actually lived a block away from it for several years. Hardly ever went. Uh, usually I was too hungover. Uh, that's the truth. Um, anyway, I guess that wasn't funny. Anyway, I was minute is like just trying to be real. It is the truth. But I didn't go, but I've listened to him and learned from him a lot now. And he said in his church, he says it regularly, if your Bibles are not open, you're going to be bored. And I love that because uh, a lot of folks uh, and y'all and I have come like, okay, you know, what do you got for me today, dude, preacher, preacher man? What do, you, what do you got for me? Or entertain me and tell me some stories. You know, I was talking to somebody just this week who had come to Bellwood. I was like, you know, I love that time we came, and you told this story about you and some friends in college drinking on a roof or something. Not all the stories have to do with drinking. And that's what this person you know, remembered, and, and that's good. And, and I know our, our penchant 
as, as human beings and people that enjoy stories will remember those stories, will remember those images. And I love how this guy says, you know, if your Bible's not open, you're going to be bored. Because the things in God's Word, they're not of this world, they're greater than this world, they, they are supernatural. And what we want to try to do in, in the preaching, in the worship, in the proclamation here at Bellwether, is, is get us into something that is, is greater than us, it's greater than our, our lives, our social status, uh, our jobs, our world, get us, get us in here. And so I may be saying that more. Uh, if your Bible's not open, you're going to be bored. And I'll tell some stories today and, and all that, but, uh, but this is so much better, deeper, richer. We have been in a series over the last six or seven weeks, and we've called it uh, A New. A New. And we've been talking about a new life, but we based it on one verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I've been fascinated for a long time with that verse. He is a new creation. She is a new creation. That's, that's it's really awesome. It's really spectacular if you think about it. And, you know, the issue I see a lot is, as there are folks that, that aren't living into this new creation. So we have looked over the last several weeks, what does it mean to be a new, a new creation? We've talked about a new family that you have all over the world. We've talked about uh, a new church, a new way of seeing church. We've talked about a new identity. We've talked about, last week, a new purpose uh, for graduates and also for us. Today we're going to close with what I call a new vision. And before I get into that, uh, I want to also highlight next week, Memorial Day. We are having church, Memorial Day weekend. We'll do a Rise with God sermon, and then we'll start a summer series that we're calling How We Are Saved. How We Are Saved. And so we'll start that in a couple weeks. But we close this out today with a new vision. A new vision. And it is a new way of, of seeing things. A new way of seeing your life. A new way of seeing reality, or, or what's before us. I... Uh, I teach a class, I'm honored to teach a class, and I call it a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. And it's different than maybe a cultural worldview or, or how we see. Uh, seeing things as Jesus sees, or as he calls us to see, it's just simply different. And, and I think a lot of Christians don't see uh, as Jesus calls us. great example is just that the trials and tribulations in our life, and we become really burdened, and... We get inspired by folks who, whose faith grows through those trials, but, but often we're like, you know, I could never do that. And, and usually I think the people, they, they see differently. They see God's hand in the midst of everything because God is sovereign. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He's in everything, every situation, every encounter, every relationship. God is at work. You're like, well, how do you know that? Well, that's what the Bible says. It's not my opinion. So, these are, uh, these are some great verses in Colossians that I believe if you read them, they can help you see differently. But even if, even if you don't, just reading them, they're like, wow, that's, that is different. And yet that is how we are called to see and live. So let us begin Colossians 2. Um, let me ask you all a question first. Who thinks uh, following Jesus is tough? Is it tough? Is it hard? Okay. Why? Anybody want to respond? Why? Why might it be hard? 
Thank you. Somebody out there. Because we're selfish. Anybody else? Doubt, okay. Suffering, Suffering yeah. Big tests, yeah. It's tough. It's like, it's just hard to continue walking with him. So let's pick up and see what God's word says. Thank you all for responding. Colossians 2, we'll start with verse 6 and 7. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, look at this, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We'll stop there, we'll pick up, but I wanted to ask that question about it being, being tough to follow or walk, as it says here, in him. Because, see, Paul's talking to folks like us, many of whom we feel like we're saved. Because he says, therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ, so that these are Christians at this church in Colossae, so now walk in him. How do you walk in him? Well, you're rooted, so you have some roots that have dug deep somewhere. Hopefully it's in a church. It's in God's word. And then you're also being built up in him by God's word, by one another, by, by missions to neighbors and nations, established in the faith, and look at this, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, uh, it's not Thanksgiving season, so that's when we highlight that word a lot. But in Thanksgiving, in all things, be thankful. And it's one way that we can, I believe, walk in him more is that when we're thankful for what he has given us, what he's done for us. So talking about this, this different way of, of seeing, of living, of walking with Christ, and it's hard. And I think... It is often hard, it's because we buy into the lies, let me use that word, the lies of this world. And Paul's going to pick up on these lies. Look at this, verse 8, just one verse. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, big word there, and look at this, empty deceit. Deceit that is, that is empty, there's, there's, there's no foundation there. It's according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Uh, I really believe y'all should underline that one verse. And like when you're watching uh, the news or we're reading some, I don't know, entertainment magazine on our phones or, or seeing things in the culture, think back to Colossians 2.8. Because I think Paul is, is hitting that nail on the head about the things that the world tries to pour into us and often that we buy into and we accept as, as the norm of the world. Uh, let me give you a big example. Okay? Uh, I, believe, uh, I believe the primary idol uh, right now of our country, possibly the, well maybe not the world, but our country, the biggest idol is a person's sexual orientation. Like, where are you going with this? What do you mean by this? Follow with me. There has been so much uh, said, uh, so much news. I mean, now the, the prevailing thing uh, in, in culture uh, is like, well, are you, are you heterosexual? Are you homosexual? Are you the alphabet soup you know, of letters that, that will grow? And, and I think it's just this prevailing idol. And it... 
Uh, it permeates uh, fashion, media, uh, the arts, sexual orientation. And, and that comes from this lie. Remember, I was talking about lies. Paul's talking about lies. This lie of you are what you feel. Or you are what you experience. I want you to think about this. And think about how many of us, and I've been guilty of this too, how many of us buy into that lie? And you're like, you may even be saying, I don't think it's a lie. I think that's truth. Let me say it again. The lie, I'm saying it's a lie. That you are, your identity is based on what you feel or what you experience, what you are experiencing. I believe that's a lie. That's not my opinion. That is a biblical worldview that that's a lie. You're like, well, well, then what is my identity? Your identity is you're an image bearer of God first. Go back to Genesis 1. You're made, we're above animals in that way that God said my image will be upon them. And then if you receive Christ, as Paul is saying, you're a child of God. Because there's sin in us. If you receive Christ, then we're a child of God. So your identity, my view, whether you are hetero or you classify yourself as homosexual or one of the letters in the alphabet soup, again, that is growing. You're first, you're first an image bearer, and if you are a Christian, if you receive Christ, then you're a child of God. Now, interestingly, uh, anybody like Disney World here? Who likes Disney World here? I like Disney World. I thought there'd be more. Who, likes, who really likes Disney World? Y'all like Disney? Okay. So Disney World is fun, and, and I bring that up, and I'm not going to... I'm not going to be negative on Disney World because it is fun. But I guess Walt Disney built this, uh, th- this idea, uh, this dream, this industry, uh, on some stories that were based in uh, what you would call, and this is not too heady or deep, German romanticism. Okay? If you look at all those fairy tales, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, I don't know, Hansel and Gretel, they were... Uh, they came out of this, uh, this place in Germany called the Black Forest. And German Romanticism was, was founded there. And the whole idea, and again, this is not too deep, the whole idea there was that you are what you feel and what you experience. Uh, and a guy named Sigmund Freud picked up on that. He started classifying people based on sexual orientation. And that grew even more now. We're buying into we are, how I feel is who I am. What am I experiencing in life is who I am. That's a lie. That is an empty deceit. That is a philosophy that is based on human tradition that so many of us buy into. And I say this because if you're going to see differently than you need to see the lie. And I'm going to Disney World too, by the way. So love that, okay? But that idea of, again, I keep it, you are what you feel, what you experience. That, that's a lie. You are made in God's image. In Jesus Christ, you're a child of God. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say you're okay on your own. It actually says the opposite, as we're going to pick up on. Let me tell you this story. And uh, often we have, these, we have these visions of like, this is what I want because it will make me feel good. And if I have that, then I will experience bliss, utopia. You know, I'll be good. I'll be right. And this guy, uh, Ravi Zacharias, you might know who Ravi Zacharias is. Anybody? Ravi Zacharias? Nobody? He's great. Uh, listen to him. He's actually Indian, and uh, he converted to Christianity. He was Hindu. He tells a story about uh, this couple, true story that he knew, 
and began to counsel and pastor. And the wife was very unhappy in the marriage, so the marriage was unhappy. But they were trying to make it work, but the wife was, was unhappy. And they were taking this trip to some exotic city overseas. And they were confessing this, that the wife, as they went to the city, she began to concoct these plans that one night she was going to, she, she was going to go out on her own and she was going to uh, give in to these fantasies that she was having and in this foreign city where nobody would know her. So the husband and wife went, they went to the, the city, checked in the hotel. She waited till her husband had gone to sleep and, and Ravi Zacharias tells like this and then she went out and this, this was his words. And she experienced the, the lusts of the night uh, in this city. And she came back uh, before dawn and lay down by her husband. And she just started weeping, like just sobbing uncontrollably. And the husband asked her, what's wrong? You know, what, he, she wakes him up, what's wrong? And she says, nothing, it's, it's nothing, it's it's just nothing. But the way that Ravi Zacharias told it, or as it was told to him, she realized she gave in to these desires, these feelings. And then she found the empty deceit in them, the lie in them, that it would make her feel a certain way better or more gratified or whatever it is. It's a lie that how you feel or what you want to feel will make you who you want to be. Now, let's get to the truth. That's the lie. There has to be a truth. Here's the truth. Pick up verse 9. Look at this. For in him, and that would be Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And look at this, verse 10. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. You should also underline verse 9. Because if verse 8 is a lie, this, look at this powerful, supernatural, can be life-changing, should be life-changing truth that in Jesus Christ, all of God is in Him first. But then, if Jesus is in you, then all of God is in you, and you are filled in Him, who is head of all rule and authority, and what they mean by all rule and authority of of the earth, of the cosmos, of everything, he's in you. Now, uh, some folks uh, struggle and say, hey, you know, I can't do this, or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm struggling with this, or you know, I've got these problems. Go back to Colossians 2.9. That if in Jesus Christ, all the fullness of God is in him, and then if he is in you, I mean, you, you, you know what that's saying? What? That truth? Like, like the creator dwells in you. The creator of all that is. The, the sustainer of everything that exists. I mean, if God will say, hey, it's, it's over, it's done, he can do that. And he, and he lives in you. So I don't think we as God's people tap into enough the power that is in us. Let me give you another truth real quick. Skip to verse 12. It says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. So when you're saved, buried with him, when you're baptized, you're raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. If anybody is truly saved here, there has been a powerful work of God on your life. 
who raised Him from the dead. Verse 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Here's another truth. The truth is we are sinners. The truth is uh, our hearts are dark. Jeremiah 17, it says the heart is desperately wicked. Psalm 73, David says, I was a beast before you. Go to Psalm 73 and find that verse and uh, look it up if you want to. It, it, it doesn't mean like kitten or sweet thing. It, it literally means beast, and that's David. I was a beast before you. So here, God's word says, Jesus saved us. Jesus saved you. When I talked about the cup of wrath, Jesus took it. I guess the truth is that we all deserve hell. The truth is we all deserve death and hell. Uh, not popular, that's not entertaining, it's not seeker sensitive. But if you see your sin, and man, I've seen my, I see my sin daily. If you see your sin daily, then hopefully God gives you the desire to nail your sin to the cross daily because he certainly gives you the power to do so. And I think a new vision... A new biblical worldview starts when you're like, man, I mean, I, I deserve death and hell, and I get uh, freedom, and I get power, and I get eternity, and I get gifts, and I get the church, and I get a mission, and I get a purpose, and I get God. And, you know, I mean, we get, we get excited about, you know, trivial things. I mean, I get excited about the trivial things of uh, entertainment uh, and movies and vacations and uh, baseball, and I love baseball, but I'm talking about in, in the scheme of things, to know the power that uses vacations and things that you're interested in, and sports, and baseball, and your job, and your gifts for his kingdom. A new vision is knowing, hey, this ain't the main act. The main act is eternal life. That's truth. Real quick, closing up. I want to show you this. Skip to Colossians 3 real quick. Often, often, I love hearing those pages flip. Thank you. Often, we think as Christians, our present impacts our future. Here's what I mean. We think, if I'm good, if I do good, then that will lead me to heaven, um, or heavenly bliss, or my mansion in the sky, or whatever. A new way of seeing, we need to turn that around. That seeing your future impacts your present. You may be like, what do you mean by that? When you you have a glimpse of your future, that may transform your present. That's what I believe. I think that's what the Bible says. And we, we live often in, well, my present will impact my future, which then you can get into, well, what I do will save me. And that's, that's not a biblical worldview. You're saved in Jesus, what, he, what we just read. But when we see the future and the glory God has for us, that can impact the present. Look at this. Again, not my opinion, what the Bible says. Colossians 3, real quick. Paul's going to show us a glimpse of our future in Jesus. He says, verse 1, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things of earth. Now look at this. For you have died and your life is hidden 
with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, that's the future, when He appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. I don't know if you got this or not, but if if you do, it it is a powerful uh, get. Paul's showing us a glimpse of the future. He's saying, in Christ, the full deal, the full body, the full glorification, we're not there yet. We won't be until he comes again. But when he does come again, and he will, when Christ appears, it says that life, when you're saved, there's a part of your life that is hidden with Christ. It's like supernatural. And when he appears, you will have this glorification. You will have this new body. You know, I've wondered why. I've thought about this a lot. Uh, talking about uh, entertainment and, and movies and stuff. Uh, I went to see uh, Civil War, uh, Captain America last week. Anybody seen it? Anybody seen it? Only a few? Okay. Anyway, it's pretty good. Uh, you could call it Avengers 3. I like the superhero movies. Who likes superheroes, just in general? Superheroes? Kind of cool? Okay. So I went to see it, and th- there's really a fascination with uh, superheroes. You're like, well, I'm not fascinated by them. But I will say this. There's a fascination with, like, stories of good versus evil. And there's a fascination, you know, when I teach students... They're all interested in stuff like spiritual war- warfare. They're all like, when you, when you talk about good, evil, things like that, I mean, they just zoom in like, what, you know, good, evil, and, and there's this interest. And, and I think part of, I think that is really like a gift God's given us. It's almost like a seed God has planted. I really believe this, I thought about it, about our, our future bodies. And now you're like, are you saying we're all going to be like superheroes in the sky? I'm not saying that, okay? I am saying, I think there's a fascination with us in, in looking good and appearing good and good versus evil and powers. Because if you read the Revelation, and we just did in a Wednesday night study, you're, you're looking at good versus evil. You're looking at uh, battles that good wins very, very quickly. You're looking at angels in the sky, angels with angelic powers. And you're also seeing this bigger glimpse of the future. And I always say it like this. You know, when we, when we meet the Lord in glory, it's not just like growing wings and playing a harp. I mean, that... That does not sound like heaven to me. It does mean taking on this glorified body. You're like, how do you know this? It's in the Bible. Okay, that's what it says. And it does mean this eternal purpose, this eternal life. I think when we see these these images or these like, even stories of good, there's something in us that sometimes lights up because I think God gives us this glimpse of what is to come, what will be. This glorified body with, yes, heavenly powers. And, and some of us will probably do battle. You're like, what do you mean? Read Revelation. I brought up this question we were talking about. They were talking about thousands and myriads of angels, you know, going to war against the demonic. I was like, what if that's some of you in the future? There's a purpose. So I guess my point again is seeing differently is this is not the main act. And like, what if the future impacts the present. So what you see, the glory, the power, the mission of an eternal life, that changes your life today. And this is what I'm going to close with. Just these couple verses. We'll start back, you know, how hard it is to follow Jesus. Somebody said it's selfish because we're selfish. Problems. Tom Brokaw uh, gave a, a commencement speech at a certain university this past uh, last weekend. And uh, I don't know if y'all know about it, but he said, uh, and I love this line, he said, you know, you're not now entering the real world, graduates. You began entering the real world around junior high when you first confronted petty jealousies. Uh, I like that a lot. You tracking with me? Petty jealousies, they start early. And so one of the reasons I think it's hard to follow Christ is that right there, petty jealousies. 
And I, probably a lot of you have them or you know folks that have them towards you. And like, man, I just, you know, that person, you know. I mean, I want everybody to be saved, but maybe that person could go to hell. You know, I mean, you ever thought like that? Tracking with me? So look at this. What if the future could impact the present? Verse 5, and I'm going to end with this. Paul says, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and put on the, what does it say there, church? New self. What's this sermon series? A new. Which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. I'm going to stop right there. The, 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 new, the, new, the new self. Put aside anger, malice, slander. Obscene talk, petty jealousies, sexual immorality. How do you do that? You know, I ask you all about new, and I know it's kind of like, you know, road at church. Uh, but again, this, this word says that you can. A lot of y'all, or, or some people, are, are living in hell because of things like petty jealousies and slander and malice, sexual immorality, and have not tapped into the new vision that all the power and authority is in you if Jesus is in you. And we're still just trying to get excited about flippant things and things that we'll say that's our idol. When this is life. And I don't want you to wake up at the end and, and realize it. And it's like, it's not too late. It's never too late till we meet Jesus. But it's like, I don't want, you, I don't want people to be like, you know, I've wasted all that time. So all I say is, I mean, you know, you talk about invitations, you talk about looking here in God's Word, look at what we just read. A new life. It, it is different. It is supernatural. It is really life. It is the only thing that will give you fulfillment. You will keep searching. You will keep running. You will keep trying to drive. You will keep getting worn out. You will keep getting wrecked because of the idols in your heart until you say, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a new life. I pray people have a new vision. Uh, new vision of, of their life. And they would see it really and truly. And not because of what anybody said, certainly me, but because you say it in your word. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.